Hello, everyone, and welcome to Honestly Booked. I'm your host, Ariel, on Instagram under at Are You Ready to Read with four eyes. And I'm your host, Rachel, on Instagram under at Paperbacks and Sketchbooks. This is a conversational podcast devoted to books, all thing books with no genre discrimination. We hope with this podcast we will expand your TBR. To get updates on our show, you can follow us on Instagram at Honestly Booked and like us on Facebook. You can also follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to help us get our podcast out there. Hello, everybody. We are officially on episode 33. It's still mind-blowing to me that we've made it this far, but we did. And since we are pretty much, you know, halfway through November, almost done with November, we thought we would go over some nonfiction books today in honor of Nonfiction November. I don't typically read nonfiction books. I don't know about you, Ariel, but nonfiction just never really grabs my eye. I feel like sometimes they can be interesting. I just got to be in the right mood for it. I totally agree with you there. I don't often go towards nonfiction books if like, you know, I'm browsing the library or if I'm adding books to my TBR. Nonfiction just isn't really something that I enjoy. And if I'm going to say, I think we did the same thing last year and I think I had the same opinion, but I think I like nonfiction better than memoirs. Interesting. I actually find memoirs to be a little bit more interesting than just your traditional nonfiction book, especially if somebody writes it that I've heard of, that I'm super interested in their story. Ah, I see. Yeah, but like traditional nonfiction about a subject or something like that. I don't know. It's just hard for me to get through. I like how nonfiction I learn something from most of the time, something that I most likely didn't know. And it's nonfiction, so it's real. That's what I enjoy about it. And it kind of gives me like that historical, you know, fiction kind of feel but it's real but I don't really like memoirs because I don't really most of the time I don't really care (laughs) you know like okay cool like you had this cool you know the very few memoirs I have read I you know I didn't love they were just okay you know like okay cool I learned that move on you know it's funny because I'm actually bringing a memoir to the episode today that I am super excited for and now you're probably never going to hear me say that again but this one I'm super looking forward to So I don't generally gravitate towards nonfiction. I know my husband's been trying to get me to read this. uh, I believe it's a memoir for a long time. And I told him I would, uh, but I'm doing it very, very (laughs) slow. It's so boring. But it's, you know, it's just one of those like self-help kind of things. And that's the other section of nonfiction that I'm just like, (sighs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, self-help puts me to sleep 100 <laughs> percent. i'm like i don't really want someone to tell me how to live my life because i'm gonna do it for like three days and then go right back to how i was right exactly so what's the point in me reading it right <laughs> and it feels kind of preachy sometimes too but that being said i'm not against nonfiction. it's just it's not something that i go and i'm not gonna rush out to the store to buy the latest you know memoir or nonfiction book oh same I know some people only read nonfiction and hey, that's cool. I wish I could be like that, just absorbing all of the knowledge. But unfortunately, I prefer my little imaginary stories. So if you like nonfiction and that's your thing and you have a suggestion that you think we would enjoy, definitely reach out to us and let us know. We 
I'm not even gonna lie we may or may not read it but <laughs> yeah right <laughs> I, we do love all the suggestions and like you know comments and stuff like that so with that being said we're gonna move on to our latest read right now now Rachel I had seen you reading this and I remember back when we talked about this book I think it was an aardvark pick right yes it was I remember when we talked about this book when it was the aardvark pick and you had said you weren't sure on it so when I saw you reading it I was like what yep yep I surprised myself too (laughs) tell me all about it because I know you told me you want me to read it too and the synopsis just looks bizarre to me but I need to know your take oh my goodness okay so my latest read was Black Sheep by Rachel Harrison And in a previous subscriptions episode, I had said that I would throw this into the maybe I might read, possibly never read pile. But lo and behold, I saw it on the shelf at my library and I decided to read it because why not? So this one was actually kind of different for me. It is billed as a horror, thriller, mystery, culty type of book. And, you know, that's not always my jam, but I gave it a shot and I'm actually really glad I did. So this has a 3.72 star rating on Goodreads. I gave it four stars. It was pretty good in my opinion. This one is about a cynical 20-something year old. Her name is Vesper and she doesn't really come from a normal family. So she left home at 18 and never looked back, mostly because she was told that leaving her staunchly religious community she grew up in meant that she could never return. But an envelope arrived on her doorstep one evening, and inside was an invitation to the wedding of her cousin Rosie. She's in a pickle here. She's like, do I go back? Do I not? Like, what's going to happen if I do? Will they even let me? But she decides to go back for Rosie's wedding. She doesn't know what she's really searching for. Like, does she think this invites a sweet gesture? Is it an olive branch, a trap? She's there. And being there also means that she has to reunite with her sort of estranged mother, Constance, who is a former horror film star and a forever ice queen. Constance is not inviting at all. So Vesper's homecoming exhumes a terrifying secret, and she's forced to reckon with her family's beliefs and her own crisis of faith. Honestly, reading this book, there's a lot to unpack within its measly 289 pages. It is not a super long story at all. And it actually works. I didn't find that it was missing anything. Nothing felt rushed to me. Like having a shorter book worked for Vesper's story. I liked it, but I gave it four stars because to me, it wasn't like overtly horror, but horror is not really a genre that I've read much of. So again, I wasn't really sure how to gauge it, but I mean, I liked it. There were like some twists. I don't know if you could call them twists, but it's like things that happened that I wasn't expecting. I thought it was really well done. I enjoyed the writing. Rachel Harrison's writing stood out to me. It was easy to read, but it wasn't so juvenile. It still had a level of sophistication to it. So if you're kind of looking for a horror book that isn't like super creepy, but still has some of that creep factor without being overtly horror-esque, Like, this is definitely a good one to kind of dip your toes into. I really liked it. I give it four stars. 
That was Black Sheep by Rachel Harrison. Okay, I have so much to say about this. First off, <laughs> first off, I just want to say that I've read two of her other books and I gave them both one star. So I'm very hesitant to read this, but those were older books. And, you know, authors do grow. They do change. So I'm willing to give another chance. That's the first thing. But I'm very hesitant again because we all know I don't really like religious culty books. I don't know. You, I mean, you said you enjoyed it. I did. And I'm not super into culty type things either but this one i thought was done very well well i did add it to my tbr and i did get it from the library because not only there was actually a few other people that had told me like oh you should you should read this and i'm like ugh, what why do they want you to read this (laughs) like what's going on here it's either really weird or you know something whatever you know i'm willing to read it because i just recently read a book that i did not think i was gonna like at all i remember multiple different episodes i was like i'm not reading this this looks dumb blah 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 and i ended up reading it four stars four and a half stars i think even and it had snow in it like everything so (laughs) wow yeah that was the writing (laughs) the writing retreat i just felt it was done really good but it was weird don't get me wrong but it was done good i was shocked that you rated it so highly i was too because it just had all the things that i don't like but the story and the writing was so good it what didn't matter but anyways enough about that that's not even the book that i'm talking about black sheep <laughs> by rachel harrison yes i added it to my tbr we will see that is good enough for me but i gotta know you gotta you gotta tell us all about your latest read Yeah, so my latest read was actually a five-star read. It was so good. I immediately called my mom and recommended it to her because it was one of those book clubby, lots of topic for discussion kind of books. And uh, we, me and my mother, have read another book by this author that was actually my top book, my so far of all my whole reading journey. It's my either my top one or top two book of all time. So that's like really high. <laughs> like it even <laughs> it even beat lessons in chemistry in my opinion. Oh wow. Yeah. So that book was amazing and I just it was everything about that book. It made me feel every emotion. It was just amazing. That was Honor by Thridi Emregar and it was a Reese's Book Club pick. I saw that Thridi Emregar had a new release that just released in October. And it was called The Museum of Failures. So immediately I had to grab the book. I've read some of her other works and I really enjoyed them. So I grabbed this book and it's called The Museum of Failures by Thridi Emregar. Now it does have quite a few ratings already and it's at a high 4.3 and it's totally worth it. This book was so good. It has family secrets. It has forgiveness. It has just everything Oh, God, it was just so beautiful. So you have your main character, Remy Wadia, and Remy had left India for the United States. And when he left, when he was younger, he had carried his resentment because his of his mother. Like he just had he just grew up with his mother who was so hot and cold and was just she was just harsh. Right. So she kept his distance from her. Well, years later, he returns to Bombay and he's planning to adopt a baby from a young pregnant girl. And to see his elderly mother again before it's too late. She's in the hospital. She stopped talking and she seems to have given up on life. But he is struck with guilt for realizing just how ill she is and how he hasn't really been there for her. So the first part of the book is, you know, him going through this whole guilt 
of not being there for his mother, but also having all these memories of his mother being this terrible person to him, right? But then there's an old photograph that he finds in her apartment when he's cleaning one day that completely shocks him. Once he realizes what this photograph is, he pieces together these family secrets and he kind of finds himself reevaluating and relooking at his whole childhood and his relationship to his parents. And he realizes why his mother was the way she was. Now, his father, who had passed, he had always thought of was the good guy. You know, he always thought this he was the best father and he gave him the best childhood. But now he's kind of seen this secret, this family secret, and his eyes are opening and he's like, maybe everything wasn't how I thought it was, you know? And there's just so much that I learned from this book of people and how people are and how they behave. And it was just, oh my gosh, it was just so good. It was like... Her writing is just amazing. It was just such a warm hug. It was such a slow burn that you just got to know every single character deeply. And I absolutely loved this book. Wasn't as good. Well, I hate to say that because it was amazing, but it wasn't as good as her book, Honor. That one was, oh my God, I, I cried for days after that book. But this one was really, really good and really deep as well. And... I just loved it so much. I loved learning all these little things just like I did last time with her book, you know, all the little cultural things. And that was called The Museum of Failures by Thridi Amrigar. I don't know if I would recommend it to you though, only because it isn't, it's not, it's a very slow burn and it's a character build. And it's like, I hate saying this because it like, is so annoying, but I feel like it would kind of bore you in the beginning, but it, it's, it's crazy because it would, it just never bored me, but I just know that like those kind of books I've realized aren't your cup of tea. Yeah, it really depends. Yeah. Cause there's nothing like there's no, I mean, there is that shocking thing he finds, but like, I don't go into books like waiting on the edge of my seat. Like, Oh, something has to happen. Like I don't read books like I, and and I, it's, you know, a lot of times it seems like in your reviews when you don't like a book, you're like, oh, well, I was waiting for something to happen. I'm like, but maybe the story is, you know, and that's kind of what this book is. Not hating on that. I'm just saying like that this book would be one of those books that it's like you're not waiting for something to happen. It's just like the story is what immerses you, you know? That's true. Yeah, I um I'm still like new to like character driven, slow build types of books. Yeah, and that's totally fine. They definitely take a lot of getting used to. They do. And they're very like, I mean, it depends on like if you like for me, they're books that like I have to keep picking up. But like if you're someone like that doesn't like that kind of book, it I could definitely see you putting this book down and like not wanting to pick it back up, you know, or being like, oh, I feel like it's a chore. That's definitely the art of reading, you know, or it's so subjective. Everyone has their own opinions. Oh, absolutely. But this was a me. This was an aerial book for sure. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. It gives all those. Oh, just it was so good. Um, it's not for everyone. Like I said, it's very deep. It's very sad. But um, I like when books make me feel things. You know, I like when books make me like reevaluate my own life. And that's kind of what this did. So that was The Museum of Failures by Thridi Amrigar. Okay, honestly booked. Guys, not to like totally transition <laughs> off anything, but um, Rachel has some news. I do have some news. So, you know, personal news. I got engaged recently. Woo! 
Yep, I'm very excited and I'm very happy. You're going to have uh, two married women talking about books on this podcast. <laughs> Holy moly, you're going to be a wife. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ugh, so much. So cool. So cool. I'm so excited for you. I'm so happy. Obviously, Ariel's going to be invited. And all of you guys too, because I'm for sure, we're for sure going to, if I go down there, we'll have to do another honestly booked in-person episode. For sure. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that was so fun. I know, right? It just it was in my super hot room. We were like both sweating, <laughs> dying because we can't turn the fans on. Oh, my gosh. And, but I think you were looking for like a spring wedding, you were saying. So hopefully it'll be a little bit. Maybe we'll be able to tolerate the room. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. It probably won't happen until 2025. But, you know, we'll still be around then. Oh, yeah, for sure. We'll be around for the rest of your life, guys. Whoa. <laughs> I know, creepy much. Ominous. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so everyone here honestly booked. Congratulations to Miss Rachel, who's going to be a Mrs. Rachel soon. Right? Wild. I love it. I'm so happy for you. My brother had just recently gotten engaged too, so I've got like Ooh. tons of upcoming weddings that I'm looking forward to, you know super exciting so exciting super exciting we love love here well i mean i don't love romance but i love love (laughs) you love uh in real life romances yes and once again see like a subject totally subjective i can't even like pick up a romance book without being like oh my god like i can't i just can't i can't get past it so you know and rachel's like i love romance and i'm like i just don't understand you know like everyone's so different but on that note of I don't even know what that's called, but on that on that note of books <laughs> that we don't think we'll like, we end up liking. I'm hesitant to say I like it so far because I don't I'm not that far in, but I caved. I caved. She caved. I am part of the hype. I got Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. Yes. It was so it's it's really funny because usually I'm not my husband says I am, but usually I'm not one of those people that jumps on bandwagons. I feel like I'm not, but I i mean, I don't know. Maybe I am, I guess. You know what? You don't really jump on the bandwagon, but you're usually like jealous of the people that have jumped on the bandwagon. Yes, I have FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter has it too. She has such bad FOMO. Like we'll all be hanging out and she'll be like passing out so tired, but she'll like fight it, fight it, fight it. And I'm like, That's we're not so going to do funny. anything while you're sleeping. Do not worry. I have such, such, such bad FOMO. So what happened, I'm going to tell you my story first. What happened was for like three days straight, and I didn't even realize it was like the release of her second one. For three days straight, all I saw on Bookstagram was this book. It was just over and over and over and over again. And I was like, oh my God, this is so annoying. And then I started to see people who don't read fantasy have this book. And I was like, what the hell? Even you guys are reading it? So... I went and I looked in my library and of course, every single way possible to read this book, I was like 300th in line. And this isn't even the new one. This is her first one, you know? So yeah, I went to Barnes and Noble on the release date of Iron Flame, which by the way, that was a long line. I went to Barnes and Noble and I spent my hard earned money, my husband's hard earned money on this book. Do I regret it? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) but I don't hate the book. Also, I don't really regret it because I got the holiday edition, so it has good resale. I kind of broke the spine a little bit. It's the sprayed edges and everything, so I'm definitely going to put this on my pango after I read it. (laughs) 
But so I don't completely regret it. And I also don't completely regret it because it's not terrible. I, it's not great. It's not that good, but it's not terrible. It's like middle of the road for me. So what I'm enjoying about it, because we're not going to really get into the description here because we've talked about this multiple times. All you really need to know is it's like dragon riders going to call it like someone said it was like Harry Potter, but dragons, which I guess so far from what I've seen, it's yeah, I guess that's that's one way to describe it. There's definitely a lot of differences, you know, so here's my take so far. I'm only like a hundred and something pages in. There's like, what, 500 and something pages in the book. It's a big book. And it's not even as big as the second one. The second one's like way bigger. I am surprisingly what I am liking about it is the fantasy parts. I'm liking the world building that's not done great because she just kind of throws little details here at you and it's not you know it's very confusing whereas I'm sure more seasoned fantasy writers would kind of like do better world building but I am enjoying that part learning the little things I do have to have a notepad on the side to write things down because I am getting confused (laughs) with names and places because it's fantasy so they're all really bizarre names I'm not entirely liking, but sort of kind of liking the action scenes a little bit. You know, everyone, if you know me, you know, I don't really like action scene things, but it seems a little bit more interesting than like just normal fighting, running from cops kind of stuff because it has to do with dragons and all that stuff. What I'm not liking is I'm not really digging the writing. Like I said, how she kind of just throws things at you but doesn't really give you information it's a very telly but not showy kind of writing if you know what I mean yes yes and the dialogue is just so cringy I am rereading this with Ariel and our friend Travis aka this guy books we're all doing a buddy read of it and this is my second time reading it and I'm just now noticing like all the random F words and swearing and oh, stuff yeah. that's just like thrown in there. And I'm like, okay, this is a little bit excessive. A little bit. And I'm not even like a prude or anything because if you know me, you know I cuss like a sailor. Yes. But <laughs> like it just seems so – I don't know if it's just like me being like 30 years old or <laughs> or if it's just – I don't know. But it's just – it seems unnecessary to add the F word and like other cuss words just – all the time it's like okay I know people I don't know because it's like I know people really do talk like that in real life but it just seems very childish yeah and like writing like it's just different when you read it on a page versus Mm -hmm. when you like just like say it in everyday conversation but I feel like it's just excessive in this book I feel like you don't need it's like fillers to her like it's like she like she just needed to make I don't know but it's just too much so that's something else I don't like And it's very YA writing, but not YA content. And YA being a young adult. I can see that. I'm like not enjoying it, but I'm enjoying it, if that makes sense. Like I'm like, uh, I'm like, I like the story and I like where it's going. It needed to have been fleshed out a lot more. But then again, this is, I believe, her first ever fantasy novel. And I can definitely see, I know it's not her first ever novel, but it's her first branch into this genre, I believe. And I can definitely see it being her first time doing this because it's very amateur-y. The uh, dialogue is just, oh my God. But I mean, like I said, I am enjoying the whole fantasy aspect to it. So 
That being said, I asked more seasoned fantasy people for better recommendations, and multiple people have told me to read the Akatar series and the Throne of Glass series by the queen of fantasy, Sarah J. Mass, or Sarah J. Moss, whatever. And I think I'm going to go with the Throne of Glass one. But also, I've got a few people that recommended me Divine Rivals, which Rachel had brought to the show an episode or two ago. I loved that one. Yeah, I've brought it to the show a couple times. I loved it. I think you would like it. It has better writing than this one. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm definitely not, like, I I always thought I wasn't a fantasy girly, and I'm still not a fantasy girly, but I think I'm going to, you know, pepper in my reading whenever I feel like I need a palate cleanser. I'll definitely read another fantasy. I'm not, now I'm not like, oh my God, hell no. You know, now I'm like, okay, you know. I'll throw it in when I have time because most fantasy books are like 900 pages long and have ridiculous names and world like world places and stuff. So I will throw in Throne of Glass or Divine Rivals when I have time and when I have a notepad with me and like (laughs) I just have a whole week to dedicate to it. Okay, but I'm not discounting it. I'm definitely down. Yeah. So that's my current read. You're on the bandwagon. I'm on a bandwagon. No more FOMO for you. No more FOMO for me. And I've heard like over and over and over again, people have said like, oh, it gets better as you go because I'm still pretty fresh in the book. So I'm looking forward to that and I'm looking forward to the ending because so many people have told me that like jaw-dropping ending. So we'll see. Well, I hope you like it enough to continue and see it to the end. (laughs) Me too. Because it is worth it in my opinion. I know. I will. I definitely will. So that was Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. Now your current read has me cracking up. Like I'm cracking (laughs) up because I just remember – I read the first one to your current read and I remember throwing it across the room at like 40 pages in and being like, oh, That's so funny. kill me. So, But you finished it, didn't you? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember either. I think you did. The book she's talking about, by the way, is Holiday Romance by Catherine Walsh. Hold on. Holiday Romance. Why did I read that? First off, the two words in the name holiday and romance are two of the things that I absolutely cannot stand. So it's like, why did I read that and expect to like it? So it's my fault. It is your fault. I think you read it because a bunch of people were hyping it up and yes! you just had to know. See, I have, I have homo. I said homo. I have I have FOMO. What's funny, though, is I rated it one star. So, I mean, I guess I did finish. Oh, I did finish this. We read it together. Yeah, I think I gave it three stars and you gave it one star. Yeah, I gave it three stars, but I still wanted to read the second one, which is called Snowden. I'm literally crying. Okay, okay. I just went to Rachel's review and there's a section in here that says, and now I remember it because of this. It said there's one spicy scene. It's not even spicy. Zero spice. It seemed forced. It was poorly written. I got zero emotion out of it. It felt like the author just wanted to include an intimate scene because she felt like she had to. Yep. Yep. It was that book. <laughs> oh God. And you're reading the second one to this? Okay. Well, in my defense, I didn't know it was supposed to be like a second book off of it because on Good reads it doesn't say that it is so I didn't know so I downloaded it onto my kindle and the only reason I figured out it was the second one to holiday romance is because when you have multiple books in a series on a kindle it'll group them together and it grouped these two together it grouped holiday romance and Snowden by Catherine Walsh together but it doesn't show it on like goodreads if you go to Snowden, it doesn't have the number two no. on it and it doesn't have no. the same characters 
this is where the author is getting clever. So it actually includes Christian Fitzpatrick, which is the brother to Andrew Fitzpatrick, who was the male main character in Holiday Romance. Okay. So it's it can be a standalone essentially because I'm about 40% into it. It can be a standalone, but it does reference characters from the Holiday Romance. Got it. This is called Snowden by Catherine Walsh, if you haven't figured it out already. (laughs) It's not bad so far. It has a 4.36 star rating on Goodreads out of 1,000 ratings. It's fairly new. It came out November 1st. And surprisingly, it's available on Kindle Unlimited because I remember when we read Holiday Romance, I had to buy it for $3 because it was not on Kindle Unlimited. But now they're both on Kindle Unlimited. So if you're looking for holiday romances... Catherine Walsh has got you covered. This book, it's cute so far. I'm enjoying it. It takes place in a little village in Ireland, just like Holiday Romance did. And this one follows Megan and Christian. So Megan is dreading going home for the holidays. She's the village pariah, the she-devil who left local golden boy Isaac at the altar four years ago. And she ran away. She ran away to Dublin and she could really do without the drama. And Isaac is also engaged again. So there's that. And she's she's just not looking forward to going home. And then you have Christian. And he is fed up from being alone every single Christmas. His family, everyone's in a relationship. And he's just the odd one out with no girlfriend. You know, he wants to bring someone home for the holidays. So Megan literally bumps into Christian in a Dublin pub. And they come up with a pact to get them through the holiday season. They are going to fake date each other. So this is a fake dating trope book, which usually is not my cup of tea, but so far I'm not hating it. They draw up a contract and it's signed on a wine-stained napkin, of course, and they're going to go to each other's family gatherings and just, you know, be the epitome of a perfect holiday couple. So, you know, everyone's dealing with this and then they end up going out to a cabin and it becomes snowed in. Hence the title of the book, Snowden. Not bad so far. It is a rom-com. Pretty funny. I'm enjoying it. I'm excited to see where it goes. That is Snowden by Katherine Walsh. Ariel, I would not recommend that you read this one. Of course. (laughs) Is this, and I wouldn't read it anyways, but is this one better or worse than Holiday Romance? So far, I think it's better. I think the writing is definitely better. So Katherine Walsh, her writing has improved since her first holiday romance. Yeah, and I also felt like the ki- the reason why I didn't really like the other one was also the characters. Like, I just didn't care about them. You know, they felt like forced, you know, like, like kind of like what you said, you know, it felt like there yeah. was just no chemistry. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of my big gripes with holiday romance. But in this one, I feel like there's definitely more chemistry between Christian and Megan so far. So I hope it stays that way. I hope there's no like weird, emotionless, intimate scene. Okay. (laughs) So before we get into our unplanned subject, Twirly Whirly, we are introducing a new topic. uh, What's it called? Segment. We're introducing a new segment. And this is where we're going to bring a book. So it doesn't matter really what it is. It's just something that either Rachel and I want to highlight. It's either a new release or a book we just found at the library or a Net Alley book that we just added, or it's just an old book on our TBR. So this is just going to be our the book. The book. The book. The book. We're always trying new things. <laughs> yeah. So the book of this week for me is called Bad Mother by Mia Sheridan. Now, if that sounds familiar, so there was a 
Amazon Prime first reads this month called All the Little Raindrops by Mia Sheridan. I wanted to read that book, but when I did some deep diving into the reviews from people, they said it's not the second in a series, but that it references her other book, Bad Mother, quite a few times. So me being me, I have to read that one first. I had gotten All the Little Raindrops for my Amazon Prime First Reads pick, but like I said, I wanted to read this one first. So I found that Bad Mother by Mia Sheridan, the first, but not really first in the series because they are standalones. So I'm going to read that one first. And it is also, it's on Kindle Unlimited. This is called Bad Mother by Mia Sheridan, and it has high ratings and quite a few ratings as well. Sienna Walker is nearly fired from the NYPD. The last thing she expects is a second chance in the one place she vowed to never return to. But she can't afford to turn down the job offer, even if a painful familial past and a broken engagement hardly make Reno, Nevada home sweet home. It's made even less sweet by Sienna's first case, a serial killer with just a curious fixation on her. Along with his victims, the killer leaves perplexing clues and chilling journal entries addressed to Sienna, detailing the murders he claims his mother committed. The case continues to get personal when her ex-fiance is called out by the killer as well. Whoever's behind the murders, Sienna can only be sure of one thing. It's someone close to home. As the twisted truth forces Sienna to face her complicated feelings, she learns that no matter how far you run from your past, it always catches you in the end. What's weird to me is this is billed as romantic suspense. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm like, what? <laughs> but I definitely, I'm going to read this before I read all the little raindrops. Um, and I will let you guys know if they can be read as standalones or not. Like m- multiple people told me they're like, they totally can. But it references a lot of things in this book. And I don't like going into books where I'm like, what? You know? So that was my most recent add to my shelf. Bad Mother by Mia Sheridan. And it is on Kindle Unlimited. I don't know if I already said that. What's your the book of the week. Oh, my the book. This is one that I added to my TBR maybe like a week or two ago. And I added, I don't know where I saw this, but I added it because of the name of the book. So it is called Juniper Bean Resorts to Murder. And it is by Gracie Ruth Mitchell. And it is part of a series called Happily Ever Homicide. And it's the first one in the series. And it has a 4.15 star rating on Goodreads. So it can't be that bad. This is like a romance and a mystery and a cozy mystery all thrown into one. So it seems like it'll be up my alley and it is available on Kindle Unlimited, which is even better. That's where I think I saw it. I was browsing KU and I was like, this sounds interesting. So I added it to my TBR. Yep. (laughs) KU will get you. So will NetGalley. Like I just added like 12 to my shelf last night. So yeah, (laughs) it'll get you that browsing. So this book follows Juniper Bean, obviously who has big plans for her writing career, swoony kisses, sigh-inducing happily ever afters. She's going to write them all. There's just one problem. She can't seem to stop killing off her main characters. After accepting that a genre changes in order, Juniper sets out to do some research. What's the best way to carry a dead body? How exactly does one pick a lock? Juniper is going to find out with the unwilling help of her new roommate, Aiden. But Juniper's plans go haywire when she stumbles across an actual real-life dead body. And before she knows it, she and Aiden are thrust into the middle of a murder mystery that seems suspiciously tied to Juniper's past. Who killed the girl in the woods? Can Juniper ever get the hang of mystery writing? And perhaps the biggest question of all, why the heck does Aiden look so good in a tweed jacket? Okay, stop. Please stop. (laughs) 
I was like, oh, this sounds good. And then you said the Aiden thing, and I was like, nope. Zoop. Well, it's also supposed to be a romance. You turn. <laughs> it's a mystery and a romance. Oh, we both have like romantic suspense things. That's so weird. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to reading it. It sounds wild and crazy and something that could be lighthearted and fun. So that was Juniper Bean Resorts to Murder by Gracie Ruth Mitchell. Okay, time for one of my favorite. Before we get into our, I feel like I start a lot of sentences, but don't finish them. Before we get get into our nonfiction book picks, unplanned subject twirly whirly, let's go. Woohoo. I'll spin the wheel. Our unplanned subject twirly whirly is Pango. Pango Books, which Ariel was previously mentioning about selling her fourth wing copy on. Pango is an app that basically anybody can sign up for and anybody can sell any book related kind of stuff on there used books new books you can sell it all i've sold a few books off of pango they make it really easy they give you the shipping label and you just print it out and you put the book in a box and you ship it out and you get a percentage of the money that's what i like about pango because you know i could easily sell my books on marketplace i could sell them like on amazon i could sell them whatever but when i do it those ways you have to come up with the like shipping and put label and all that stuff yeah this way you set your price and pango takes out its portion and it does everything for you you literally when someone buys your book all you have to do is just make a qr code go to the post office throw it in an old box i usually throw it in like an old amazon box or like you know i collect those little amazon packets and i just put it back in there slap the label on top of it or um you know you can always go buy the media mail thing in the ups or usps but It's super simple. And that's what I like about it. It is. It's so easy. I also like when you're going to sell the book, all you really have to do is just take a picture of the ISBN and it gets all the info for you. And then you just input the quality of the book and how much you want to charge for it and take a picture. That's really, it's so simple. Everything about Pango is great to me. I need to actually update my store and get like, you know, (laughs) yeah, because I have so many books. So yeah, I absolutely love Pango. That was our unplanned subject, Twirly Whirly. Now we are getting into our episode, which is nonfiction November. Now, like we said, there's many different types of nonfiction. There's like the main types of nonfiction that people think of when they think of nonfiction is memoirs and biographies, I believe. But there's also nonfiction like self-help books. There's nonfiction like the war, you know, wartime books. That's all I can really think of. Like we've said, we both really aren't big into this, but... I did see when we were researching this episode, there was quite a few nonfiction books that actually caught my eye, surprisingly. Yeah. Yeah, I was shocked. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this looks good. This looks good. So the first nonfiction book that I chose is a memoir. And it was actually or it currently is actually a nominee for the 2023 Goodreads Choice Awards for Best Memoir and Autobiography. First off, I'm going to preface this with saying I am a millennial, I believe, right? I'm a millennial, right? <laughs> I actually, I don't know if you're a millennial. I think like the millennial cutoff was like 1990 or something. I'm Googling it. Oh, I am a millennial. Okay. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, I don't know if that's good, but (laughs) (laughs) you're old. (laughs) At least I'm not Gen X, right? (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. The Karen generation. So I guess I am a millennial. Anyways. So prefacing this back again, I am a millennial. (laughs) And because I am a millennial, this person held a huge space in my childhood. She was one of the people that we would 
you, you, if you know, you know. That's all I'm going to say. So this memoir is The Woman and Me by Britney Spears. Now, Britney Spears had gotten so much. She's been in and out of the news since she was, gosh, I think she was even in, she started in what, Mickey Mouse Club when she was a child, right? I think so, yeah. And so she's been in, she's been a celebrity for a long time. Her whole childhood, she's been doing stuff. She was putting out albums when she was like 14 years old, something like that. So she's been no, no stranger to the limelight. There was a huge, huge thing that had gone on with her being under a conservatorship, which those happen surprisingly a lot, but usually it's not for people like Britney Spears. Usually it's for incapacitated people. It's for elderly people. It's for someone who, you know, can't control their money. So that's what they're there for. But in 2021, I believe when it became a huge thing, the Free Britney movement, we kind of realized like what exactly was going on. Britney Spears has been through so much. Britney Spears has had a remarkable career. And I know I haven't read this book yet, but I have seen tons and tons and tons and tons of reviews from trusted sources. And they all said that this book was amazing. So I'm actually, I'm actually have this checked out and I'm going to read it soon. There were quite a few revelations in this book. It's funny because as soon as she put the book out or said she was putting the book out, multiple people had got cease and desist on her, which that's just, in my opinion, shady. Yeah. And makes you look like you have something to hide. This book is really shocking. It's really, you know, it really makes you, from multiple people that I've heard from, makes you really see her in a different light and see how strong of a woman she really is. And it all makes sense. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, wow, okay, I totally get now why she went through what she went through. That is The Woman and Me by Britney Spears. And I'm super excited to start this one. Do you think you're ever going to pick this one up, Rachel? I might. I was never a huge fan of Britney Spears, mostly because she was before my time. Like I was literally an infant when she was making music and was super popular, which makes me sound super young compared to you. <laughs> but I might give it a try. I know she was like my high school years, man. <laughs> yeah, I that would have been like my elementary school years. But <laughs> I've heard a lot of good things about her book. I did hear that the writing is like not super great, but I heard that her story is so moving that I might just have to might just have to give it a try. I heard that too. But as we've recently learned from Fourth Wing, the writing, you know, doesn't have to be perfect. The story is That's what true. sometimes can move you. Yes, I am so, so excited to read this. Sounds good. I am excited. Now, what was your nonfiction that you picked for this episode? So it took a lot of scrolling through multiple nonfiction lists to find a couple books that I thought would be interesting because I'm not a huge nonfiction reader as we have previously established, but this one sounded so good. We all know like I've been super into historical fiction, like wanting to learn about historical events lately. So I found a nonfiction book that is actually a true crime and a history sort of book, but it sounds so, so good. It is called A Fever in the Heartland by Timothy Egan. And this one is about the KKK, their plot to take over America, and the woman who stopped them. So that's what really caught my eye, the woman who stopped the KKK, because I, you know, I'm all about reading books about like empowering, inspiring women. 
So this sort of follows like the height of the KKK, which I know is very controversial, but it is a thing that happened in history and it is a thing that needs to be talked about. So it covers the KKK, what they were, what they were doing. And it also talks about the man who set in motion this terrible organization. They talk about that. And then after the KKK landed in Indiana, you know, a bunch of stuff happened, but at the peak of the leader's influence, there was a woman who seemed like she had no power. Her name was Madge Oberholzer, and she ended up revealing his secret cruelties, and her deathbed testimony finally brought the clan to their knees. So this just sounds like it would be so good. The reviews are so good. It has a 4.4 star rating and it came out in April of this year. It sounds like it's going to be dramatic and moving. And a lot of people say like this book brought them out of a reading slump. They said it was beautifully written. So I think I need to give this a try for real. That sounds really good, actually. I love reading books that like teach me something. Yes. And I feel like this would just kind of open my eyes a little bit. Yeah, I feel like I don't know as much about the KKK like I should because it was such an important part of history, even though it was so terrible. Totally. But it's very important to know about. So I'm going to have to give this one a try. It's called A Fever in the Heartland by Timothy Egan. Well, I'm going to add that one to my TBR actually for whenever I feel in the mood for nonfiction. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like uh, it has that true crime aspect to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's what really caught my eye. Definitely. So the third nonfiction we're bringing and the second one I'm bringing is also another eye opener along with our other two. And this one is more closely tied to something that, you know, that Rachel brought, you know, the, uh, what is the word? My brain is just not here today. It's okay. So our third nonfiction pick is called Just Mercy, a story of justice and redemption by Brian Stevenson. Now this is from 2014 and I remember seeing this around quite a few times. I think I've even looked it up when I was doing nonfiction November last year. (laughs) (laughs) And it is a social justice book about a unforgettable true story about the potential for mercy to redeem us. And it's told from one of the most inspiring lawyers of our time. So Brian Stevenson, the author, was a young lawyer when he founded the Equal Justice Initiative, a nonprofit law office in Montgomery, Alabama, dedicated to defending the poor, the incarcerated, and the wrongly condemned. Just Mercy tells the story of EJI from the early days with the small staff facing the nation's highest death sentencing and execution rates through a successful campaign to challenge the cruel practice of sentencing children to die in prison to revolutionary projects designed to confront Americans with our history of racial injustice. One of EJI's first clients was Walter McMillan, a young black man who was sentenced to die for the murder of a young white woman that he did not commit. This case exemplifies how the death penalty in America is a direct descendant of the lynching, a system that treats the rich and guilty better than the poor and innocent. A lot of times, I personally don't like politics in my books, whether I agree with the politics or disagree, but this seems like one of the books that I would just absolutely love the seeing the political part that plays into it and the social justice and all that. But I do know that this is still an initiative that goes on. And because of it, I know that there have been multiple other initiatives that help the wrongly incarcerated too. So I love that. I absolutely love that. And I think that this is going to be a really great read for someone that just wants that 
like feel good story, but not feel good. And they want to feel good about the social justice aspect to it. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really good book. And I actually have this on my shelf now because I was like, okay, I'm going to stop looking at this book and actually read it. (laughs) Yeah, that one sounds good too. So what is your last nonfiction pick? Another one that caught my eye, it's called The Book of Charlie, and it is by David Von Driel. And this one is Wisdom from the Remarkable American Life of a 109-Year-Old Man. And it's that alone where I was like, okay, this could be pretty good because wisdom from a 109-Year-Old Man, like, come on, he's going to have a lot to say. So this one is written by David Von Driel, and he is a veteran Washington journalist. Um, And he moved to Kansas. So he met this neighbor who was more than a century old, but little did he know that he was starting a friendship. And he ended up learning a lot about the meaning of life from this man named Charlie White. So he was born before radio. Like, that's crazy. And he lived long enough to use a smartphone. Can you imagine, like, you're born before the age of radios, but you've also lived into the age of smartphones. That's wild to me. So Charlie just basically goes over like everything that happened, like his story, some traumatic things that have happened to him and just life lessons that he's learned along along the way. And it sounds really good. It's more of a biography style nonfiction, which is more appealing to me than those like self-help type of nonfiction books. So I'm excited to give this a try. A lot of people have really, really, really loved it. And it's also a nominee in the Goodreads Choice Awards this year for Best History and Biography. And that is The Book of Charlie by David Von Drill. That sounds good. That was interesting. I actually, um, when I was looking at our show notes, I was like, oh, I wonder what this is because I don't, I've never seen that before. Yeah, it. It looks so good. Like, I actually really want to read this one because it's just interesting to see, like, this journalist basically interviewed and formed a friendship with a 109-year-old man. (laughs) That's so cool. So who is the oldest person that you have ever, like, met or known? Because my – oh, gosh, I'm going to get this wrong. It was, like, my grandma's – my no, yeah, my grandma's grandma's grandma, I think, lived to 104. And I think I saw her at 102. Yeah. So my mother's aunt, my grandmother's sister lived to be, I always get this wrong, 103 or 104. And I met her for her 100th birthday. So that was pretty cool. That's super cool. I mean, you see all this stuff about how we're not making it past like 80 anymore, but then you also see people that are like 110 years old. It's like, wow. I know. I'm like, can that be me? But at the same time, I'm like, would I really want to live that long? Imagine being that person. And like you said, imagine being that person and watching like the technology evolve. Yeah. That'd be crazy to me. And people's brains devolve. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, even in our lives, we've already seen that happening. Oh, gosh. Yes. (laughs) Nonfiction. We, you know, we actually found some good ones. And I'm surprised. That's what I was going to say. Surprisingly, we found some good ones. I'm so excited to actually read these. I kind of want to read all of them, even though I'm not a nonfiction girly at all. But it's nonfiction November. I I just might have to. (laughs) You don't know until you try. Exactly. Exactly. So 
to get off of the topic of nonfiction, although I'd love to talk about it all day, like I said, when we were going through the nonfiction list on Goodreads, we found so many good ones. To get off the topic, we are going to discuss now. I'm not 100% done with it. I'm only 80%, so don't ruin anything. Okay, I will. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to discuss our book club pick of the week. This one was An American Marriage by Tiari Jones. Now, I know that Rachel and I have conflicting opinions on this, as we usually do. Well, yeah. I don't know. It's 50-50. Sometimes we totally agree. Sometimes we don't. But I can see why you might not have liked it. It is more of a character-driven novel. It does have alternating points of view and they're quick chapters. It is very slow build, but I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm actually got, I think like 50 pages left and I am just loving it. So this is the story of Celestial and Roy and the story of a couple other people too. Now, Celestial and Roy are newly married and they live in the South. They're settling into their life together when all of a sudden they're ripped apart by circumstances that neither of them could have imagined. Roy is arrested and sentenced to 12 years for a crime that Celestial knows he did not commit. Though she's fiercely independent, she finds herself taking comfort in Andre, her childhood friend and best man at their wedding. As Roy's time in prison passes, she's unable to hold on to the love that has been her center. So after five years, Roy's conviction is suddenly overturned and he returns to Atlanta to resume their life together. This has so far been like a love story, but it's also kind of like uh, it's it's mostly a story of when something happens, how everything around it is affected. Yes. That's what I like about it. What I don't really like about it. I can't stand characters that I hate. <laughs> like, I really can't stand it. And there is not a single character in this book that has a redeeming quality. Like I said, I'm not fully done, so I don't know really yet. But I just can't stand when you're reading a book and people, the people in the book do something where you're just like, oh, I just want to shake you. Oh, I know. Why? I know. Yeah, I... So I finished this book already Ariel's not done with it but I gave it three stars it was middle of the road average for me like it wasn't terrible I definitely enjoyed the second half of the book much more than the beginning half yes and maybe that's because things started to pick up a little bit because the beginning you know I'm still new to character driven novels so the beginning with like all the building up and stuff to whatever thing was gonna go down the background (laughs) yeah I was just like I cannot It was a struggle. Yeah, it was a slow build. I'll agree. Even I didn't really love the beginning either. Like the first 20%, I was like, yawn, snore, you know? Yep, yep. And then I also, this is just a me thing, but I don't like mixed media in books. I'm a boomer, I guess. (laughs) And this has letters, which isn't really mixed media and it wasn't too much of the book but I was just like oh my god this is boring like but once the um letters stopped and it got into the meat of the story I was like oh okay okay yeah I have to agree with that like once we got into it I was following along a lot better I also did this book on audio so if you're like not super into character driven novels but it does sound interesting to you I suggest the audio because it definitely makes it a lot more, I don't know, for lack of a better word, tolerable. I will co-sign that. It's like it's easier to follow if you feel like you like your brain is just on overload trying to soak in all this information. (laughs) I'm going to co-sign that. I actually was reading it, too. And in the beginning, I was getting, like I said, a little bored. So I picked up the audio book, listened to it. I personally like the Southern accent. Mm -hmm. It might not be for everybody, but I definitely picked it up, started listening to it while I was feeding the baby last night, and it kind of just made the story go a little bit quicker. 
then of course I went back to the physical copy and started reading it and now I have a little bit left and hopefully I can pick some up tonight. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Maybe you'll finish it. <laughs> oh, I'm finishing it. Oh yeah, you better. <laughs> but I mean, it was an okay book for me. Like it's definitely an Ariel book. It's not a Rachel book. That is true. That is true. So what do we have for our next episode? Our next episode is going to be our November challenges, which, you know, we love the challenges episode, but we've just kind of like went downhill with following the challenges. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we love all of the recommendations. Like, honestly, after every single episode we do for the challenges, I end up adding like three, four, five six seven eight books to my tbr so you know it will destroy your tbr but you'll be glad about it <laughs> exactly it always destroys my tbr like i'm always like i'm getting it down woohoo and then the challenges come and then the book of the month's release and then aardvark and yep. i'm like yep. at least i know i will always have something to read exactly yeah you're not gonna run out of books so if you live until you're 109 years old like charlie did you will always have something to read. Heck yeah. <laughs> but this was fun. I enjoyed getting to discuss some nonfiction with you, getting to talk about, you know, our unplanned subject twirly whirly. That's always fun. Yes. Just getting to catch up. I'm excited for next week. Yes, I am too. We hope you guys have found some good nonfiction recommendations from this list. If not, you know, hey, it is what it is. We don't judge you for not wanting to read nonfiction either. Yeah. <laughs> but if you did end up picking any of these books, as always, please DM us and let us know if you enjoyed them. And as always, Rachel, happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.